0: good morning please open your Bibles to first Timothy and chapter one a study which we have started in the New Testament part of Paul's pastoral epistles Timothy Timothy and Titus and then one other personal letter which he wrote to Philemon as we say in Africa or Philemon as you say here we started the introduction we in- introduced the book told you a little bit about timothy and his life his relationship with paul as a missionary he, he's special he's a special envoy if you like of paul at this point in ephesus where he seemed after this to stay till probably close to paul's death when paul encourages him beckons him to come to rome where he's imprisoned we just can read verse 1 and 2 because we didn't complete those and uh, our text this morning is naturally broken into three parts, even though our announcements had 10 parts, I just decided to stick with three parts here. First Timothy chapter 1, read with me the word of God, verse 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God our Savior, and Christ Jesus our hope. To Timothy my true child in the faith. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's bow for a moment in prayer. God, the Holy Spirit, we pray this day, breathe upon the word and bring the truth to sight. Lord, may we with one voice Be ready to hear your word and obey it. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. In Christ's name, amen. Well, Paul's greeting in in most of his 13 or 14 epistles, and I say 13 or 14 because some of you may say we've not seen the light that the book of Hebrews was written by Paul, but so 13 or 14 epistles, his address follows the same basic pattern paul identifies himself with his name followed by a statement of his apostleship by god's will and in first timothy he changes that up a bit by god's command he says this is to set forth the authority vested in him by god And Jesus Christ, you'll note, bringing out the deity of Christ there as a messenger to the churches. It's not I, Paul, but Paul as an apostle, I'm a special envoy, I'm a messenger, I'm a mouthpiece, I'm the voice of God. And he addresses his letter because he has some authoritative things to say that must shape the church future and we know with regard to church government and many other things the address is followed by a greeting to the intended recipient to the church in Galatia I write grace and peace to the church in Ephesus grace and peace or to Rome as as far as the four personal epistles are concerned, he addresses it to a person, Timothy, and Timothy in the second letter, and Titus in Philemon. There, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God, our Savior, and Christ Jesus, our hope. The emphasis on Paul's authority as an apostle by the command of God and Christ Jesus will give way to what Paul says to Timothy and give way to Timothy's teaching in the church because Paul has vested this authority given to him as God has vested in him and his sub apostle or his minister Timothy in the Ephesian letter later on and this letter was clearly though written to Timothy intended to be read in the church and we see this by the formal nature of the letter we noticed last week that paul that timothy was a man close to paul's heart he was a trusted assistant he was a man who proved himself useful and faithful in carrying on the work of the ministry among the churches of work that paul together with the other missionaries had started and so we come today to the third part of the address and in most paul's letters contains the blessing of god from God through Paul to the recipients and in these two epistles alone Paul changes that up a little bit I don't know if you notice that Paul makes a slight change to encourage Timothy further of the help and blessing of God upon him as a close fellow laborer and to his true child in the faith there was a special relationship in all Paul's other epistles we find grace and peace Grace and peace to you, a blessing from God through his servant but to Timothy it's grace mercy and peace first and second Timothy grace mercy and peace as if ministers had more need of God's mercy than other men and so Paul adds mercy He has an affectionate interest in Timothy as his true child. One that he was instrumental in bringing him to faith as with his grandmother and his mother who taught him in the scriptures. The very essence of of mercy is warm affection which includes but must not be restricted to tender compassion. This sense of this word for mercy. I quote ministers need more grace than others, to discharge their duty faithfully. And they need more mercy than others to pardon what is amiss in them. And if Timothy, so eminent a minister, must be indebted to the mercy of God and indeed to the increase and continuance of it, how much more do we, we as ministers in these times who have so little of his excellent spirit? And it's interesting to note that only one other apostle uses this greeting and it's in second john the apostle john grace mercy and peace will be with us from god the father and from jesus christ the father's son in truth and love and timothy was facing some severe trials and we've seen his personality a little bit more of a timid nature. He had some kind of physical ailment too and Paul encourages him especially as a young man and considering the trials of the ministry facing him and his likely martyrdom after a life of faithful service. What a fitting triple blessing Paul's Praise for Timothy and according tradition for tradition for interest, sake, Timothy was probably martyred by a mob in Ephesus. So it seemed he remained in Ephesus all his life in AD 97 for opposing idolatry of the uh, cult of Diana that wicked with its wicked sexual practices in this cult and a mob attacked him and he was martyred according to tradition and history there. Adding mercy to his usual grace and peace greeting. Some suspect that the experience of divine mercy produces fitness for the gospel ministry. This certainly was Paul's personal experience, as we read in chapter 1 and verse 13 of this very letter. Though formerly I, Paul, was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief and in verse 16 just a few verses later but i received mercy for this reason that in me as as the foremost jesus christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life grace is god's undeserved favor in forgiving sinners as mercy is his spontaneous compassion in freeing them from the misery entailed by their disobedience while peace is that aspect of salvation which results from the experience of grace and mercy that is how one commentator puts it in that is helpful Before we get to this text as such note that Paul emphasizes again as he did in his apostolic address the divine dignity of Christ by showing that this triple blessing to Timothy is co jointly bestowed by God the Father and the Son from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord and if you notice also that Paul in this epistle uses Christ Jesus emphasizing the deity of the lord jesus christ whereas most of the other apostles will say jesus christ they knew him first as a man but he was the christ the messiah that's an interesting point but let's open this prayer of blessing from Timothy, god to timothy through paul this prayer of blessing is the blessing of the gospel of god through christ jesus our lord and therefore is a fitting blessing for every believer to continue to receive the benefits of the gospel. When you think of grace, mercy, and peace, that is the gospel. And if you have not heard the gospel or have not heard it recently, today you will hear the gospel. Because this is a gospel message, grace, mercy, and peace. But this is for the believer who desires and who needs the continued grace, mercy, and peace of God. In our study this morning, we have three main headings, lessons and applications. You'll have to find them as we go and as I mentioned them. We observe in the first place, and we'll spend most of our time on this first point, grace in the gospel. Grace in the gospel. Our text again, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. This blessing which Paul prays in the address is considered by some as a benediction. In fact, some people, including myself, may use this portion of scripture as a benediction and maybe use such in the church, which is typical at the end of the service. Not just something to tag on at the end so that you know, okay, it's time to go home now, but to round off our worship and and, and as we conclude to pray a blessing on the people from God, as this blessing is in the greeting from God through Paul. They are not just words. The apostolic blessings and benedictions were very real blessings pronounced from God through the minister, and both are valuable. And if you in Sunday school this morning, we considering what happens when we worship, these are three of those things we don't always realize that are happening when we worship grace God gives us grace God gives us mercy and peace in his promised presence with us in all the elements of worship brothers and sisters something happens as I mentioned this morning after we have worshiped in spirit and in truth God bestows on us the benefits of the benediction as we leave his house so when the minister pronounces God's blessing grace mercy and peace that is what God bestows on his people and you may recall where the first public blessing of God comes from it's in numbers isn't it it's a blessing from God given to Moses to pass on to the priest Aaron and his sons who were in turn to give the blessing to the people of God as they gathered For worship, do you remember that blessing? The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace so shall they put my name upon the people of israel and i will bless them and think about that when the benediction is pronounced it's a blessing given by god through the minister to the people and the blessing or benediction pronounced by the minister is not from himself if it were you would never receive it for he does not it's not in his power to give it is from God and it's a real blessing a promise of blessing upon those who worship God in truth something really does happen doesn't it for God is not only present in our worship but God is serving his people in many ways and this is one of them as Moses told Aaron son, so they shall put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them and so when God blesses us he puts his name upon us and he blesses him and when we are told what it means to pray according to God's will And many people have asked this to me. How do I pray according to God's will? My grandmother is sick. How do I pray that? How do I know that it is God's will to heal her? Or what does it mean to pray according to God's will? That is a prayer that we can have full confidence in. And we never pray amiss if we pray according to this way. The Holy Spirit teaches us in 1 John 5 14 a very important verse if you want to know how to pray according to God's will and this is the confidence we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and we know that he hears us in whatever we ask we know that we have the request that we have asked of him and when we pray grace mercy and peace we pray according to God's will grace in the gospel is the first blessing from God to Timothy through Paul and it is to every minister and it's pronounced and intended for every child of God so we must ask the question what is gospel grace and I want us to note three things about gospel grace number one gospel grace is the unmerited favor of god through christ jesus gospel grace is the unmerited unearned favor of god through christ jesus the gospel is the good news of salvation in christ jesus i bring you tidings of great joy to that was told to the shepherds in their fields. for to you is born this day in the city of david A savior who is Christ the Lord. And as Joseph was told, you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. The gospel is God's unmerited grace through Christ Jesus. The only way to be acceptable and reconciled to God through the law is to keep it perfectly perfectly in every point then we have merited and deserved it do this and live if you can if you can this is impossible isn't it but the grace of the gospel says live and do this and it is only possible through the grace of the gospel it is unmerited new life is given in the new birth through the spirit the only one who has merit is christ jesus the perfect son of god fully god and fully man who as a man not only kept the law of god perfectly but took upon himself our transgression of the law that we might receive the righteousness of god this is the unmerited favor of the gospel this is grace it's unmerited by me merited by another and given to me oh the grace of the lord jesus christ is the unmerited grace of the gospel grace for you know the grace of our lord jesus christ that though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor that you might by his poverty become rich it's an inheritance It is an undeserved and unmerited favor of God can we even define God's grace we cannot fully fathom the full depths of the grace of God but some have called it by the acronym grace God's riches at Christ's expense it's God's riches God's righteousness imputed to us at Christ's expense as the punishment for our sin was laid upon him, merited by Christ at great cost because of his great love for us. Ephesians describes this so well, doesn't it? Chapter 2, verse 4, But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he had loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, made us alive with Christ by grace you have been saved second thing we note about the gospel grace gospel grace is the free gift of God in Christ Jesus received by faith gospel grace is the free gift of God in Christ Jesus received by faith grace is not grace unless grace is free it's unmerited because no man can merit God's grace no man can take away God's grace when it is given by God in Christ Jesus his merits are sufficient his merits are free and when given by God to the sinner it is locked in for eternity this is god's grace grace it's a free gift given in christ jesus again ephesians 2 this time verse 89 for by grace you have been saved what is that it's not your own doing it's a gift of god not as a result of works so that no one can boast this is a gift of god have you ever received a christmas gift and, and i love these christmas gifts where you you get this this packet the family gets your packet and you open it up and you take out one gift and and, and that's great but the really great gifts are the ones where you take out one you open it it's a great gift and wait there's another and so you take out another gift you open it and say oh look there's another And, and, and this could go on and on not indefinitely unfortunately and when I unwrap this free gift from God God gives me this unmerited free grace which is a gift based on the merits of christ jesus and i look what is in this box marked free gift the gift of grace well first of all there's the new birth there's the new birth in this box this brought about by the sovereign work of the holy spirit as the love of god draws me to christ there's no other way to understand it How I did not believe, how my heart was hardened, and now I believe. It's the gift of the new birth brought about by the Spirit of God. Wait, there's something else in this gift. There's the merit of Christ. Perfect, irrevocable, unmerited by me and undeserved by me. It's a gift. And and there's a price tag. There's a price tag on the gift, and and it says death. It says death. And then it's marked paid in full, paid in full. And this gift is the forgiveness of sins through the blood of Christ, the new blood of the covenant. There's another gift in this box. There is saving faith as my eyes are open to the grace of God in the gospel. And somehow my hardened, sinful, prideful heart says, I believe. I believe, and this faith to believe, I now see is also a gift in that box, that box called grace. And finally, there's another gift there. There is eternal security in the gospel of grace. There is eternal security in the gospel of grace. The grace of God in the gospel that hath saved me, the gra- this grace will abound more and more, sanctifying me by his word and through the work of the spirit, and that grace assures me of my preservation until the day of Jesus Christ. And who can take away the benefits of these gifts, this gifts called grace, these gifts of salvation, who can take them away from me, who can separate me from the love of God? Nothing and no one. Paul writes in Romans 8, For I'm sure, neither life nor death, nor angels nor rulers nor things present or things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of god in christ jesus that's what's in the box the gift of god in christ jesus thirdly the third point gospel grace is a never-ending flow to the child of god gospel grace is not that day you believed on christ and what a happy day that was but the gospel grace is a never ending flow to the child of god paul writes grace mercy and peace but timothy had received these things and if you hear today most likely you have received this unmerited favor of god why the blessing of grace to an unbeliever because we need more grace because we need more grace, and we are given the ongoing benefits of the grace of Christ Jesus for every trial, for our growth in grace, for grace to hear and grace to obey, for the grace of Jesus Christ to abide on us, that we might show the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to others. Brothers, can someone say, I know longer have got it. I no longer need the grace of God. We need it every day. It's all unmerited. And it's needed every day. Just grace that brought me safe thus far. Says the hymn writer. And grace will lead me home. God gives us more grace the unmerited grace of the gospel we need the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ daily and it is his grace that sustains us and it is this grace that makes us to be salt and light in the world causes us to perform good works that others may give glory to God because of our good works because of the grace of Christ Jesus in our lives james 4 verse 6 we saw this in our study of james but he gives us more grace therefore it says god opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble i quote again invoking god's grace upon timothy paul referenced not only god's saving grace which we know but even more god's continued grace for living God is lovingly disposed to all his children. And Paul wishes all the gifts and blessings upon Timothy that naturally fall from a smiling God. Brothers and sisters, this is a real prayer to pray for one another. Grace, mercy, and peace. This is the grace upon grace that the Apostle John speaks of in John 1.16. For from his fullness we have received grace upon grace the grace of the gospel secondly secondly we observe the second place mercy in the gospel mercy in the gospel is the mercy of God in the gospel not one of the greatest benefits of the grace of God God's loving kindness and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ Allows a God of perfect justice to show mercy as strong as His justice. God's mercy, the merits of Christ not only shows us His great grace, but it is that very act of Christ's substitutionary death that satisfies the law and the justice of God. And we see on the cross, justice and mercy there meet, and the sinner is redeemed. And set free from the law of sin and death. Mercy in the gospel. The Holy Spirit explains this so well to us in Romans chapter 8. Listen to the first four verses. Therefore there is now no condemnation for them in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death for what god for what god has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit in my place condemned he stood sealed my pardon with his blood hallelujah what a savior we have a god who is rich in mercy as we read in ephesians 2 just as we need saving grace and graceful living so also we plead daily mercy at the cross of christ and it is given by god in christ and still we need mercy as god's people every day think of the psalmist david and all the wonderful psalms that he write and david soon realized that he needed the mercy of god desperately because of his ruining sin continues to give it freely as a sinner pleads for mercy have mercy on me O god according to your steadfast love according to your abundant mercy blot out my transgressions Oh, brothers and sisters, as we as ministers and you as Christians show forth the mercy of God and recommend God's mercy to others, never forget that we need to be partakers of mercy. It's interesting, though, the Greek word used here for mercy teaches us more and carries the idea of God's special care for a person in need. God's special care for a person in need. The Old Testament equivalent of this word is hesed, is used multiple times in the Psalms with the idea of help in time of need. And I'm sure that rings a bell. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. The same word used for mercy in the Greek New Testament. And Paul may have used this word because of Timothy's Jewish background which would bring to mind the rich associations of this word to help those who cannot help themselves, to help the wretched, and to help the helpless. God's mercy, God's loving kindness, God's help to those in time of need. We mentioned that Timothy was in quite a difficult situation. He faced problems which were more trying For a man of his disposition and age, Paul prays that God's tender love to those in need is required. That Timothy would feel this. God is merciful and we need that merciful help in time of need every day. Also consider those Christians persecuted that Paul writes to in Hebrews he puts them in a greater place of need for that tender compassion that mercy and grace of chapter 4 verse 16 of Hebrews let us then with confidence he writes to them draw near to the throne of grace why so that you could come to Christ No, there were already Christians in Christ they were still to come to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find help in our time of need Mercy is often used in the context of extending help to those in misery. Like the parable of the good Samaritan. He writes, but a Samaritan as he journeyed came to where he was and when he saw him he had compassion on him. The same Greek word mercy on him. In Luke 10 and 37 he said, the one who showed him mercy, compassion. And Jesus said, go and do thou likewise brothers and sisters, even in God's chastisements, correction of His people, which we all need. as we receive grace upon grace, so we receive mercy upon mercy. God writes in Isaiah chapter 54. He writes, and Isaiah says, "For a brief moment God says, "I deserted you, but with great compassion I will gather you. Brothers and sisters, This is what the gospel gives. Mercy, the gospel, mercy in the gospel. And in fact, God views every one of his children as vessels of mercy. That's what the scriptures teach. So that the riches of his glory may be known in us. That's Romans 9.23. In order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory. What is our response to this mercy of God? Come, sinner, come, come to Christ. Believe on him. Find mercy at the cross of Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Brothers and sisters, the message to us, draw near to the throne of grace every day. Draw near to his throne. And there you will find the tender compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. There you will find mercy. There you will find grace in your time of need. Grace in the Gospel. Mercy in the Gospel. And thirdly, and finally, peace in the Gospel. Peace in the Gospel. When God's grace and his mercy are present, Peace naturally follows when God's mercy and his grace are present his peace naturally followed that which was broken and severed by sin is made whole and bound up by grace the resulting sense of wholeness and tranquility tranquility and assurance is peace the peace of God the Greek word for peace also signifies To bind or to join together so that it may be whole again. And God's grace and mercy is accompanied and leads to his peace. Peace is the consciousness of being reconciled with God through Christ. Grace is the fountain and peace is the stream that issues from that fountain, says Matthew Henry. Consider Romans 5 and verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace is of course first peace with God, but it does not stop there. The great benefit of peace with God is that inner peace in living in the gospel. Peace is the fruit of the spirit. Peace is an outcome in our personal lives. Having peace with God brings us the peace of God. One of Jesus' last blessings to his disciples was this gift to their troubled hearts. Do you remember what it was? In John 14 and 6, Jesus just told his disciples he's going away. And they were in disarray and they were anxious. And and peace had left them. They were troubled. And Jesus, one of his last blessings to them was this. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you my peace i give to you not as the world gives i give to you let not your hearts be troubled believe in god peace of god is something that grows with our faith and the knowledge of god allows us even in the world if possible as far as it depends on us to live peaceably with all men brothers and sisters The peace of god is the fruit of the spirit we have peace with god but with that comes the great gift the peace of god which is in our hearts and in our minds the man who's been given peace with god trusts in god even through the greatest storms of life because of god's love care and provision and protection brothers and sisters there's provision in the gospel peace with God which must lead to the peace of God and this gift allows us to trust in his sovereignty which causes all things to work together for the good of his people and to show forth his glory and to be anxious is a statement of our lack of faith in God's salvation and his providence in our lives and we need to ask ourselves as Christians today we have peace with God, but do we have the peace of God in our hearts which comes when we trust in Him, which comes when we pray for His grace and His mercy and His peace in our lives. There are so many things to be anxious about, but it is only the man who has peace with God who can learn and know that peace of God Through a greater understanding of Him and a closer walk with Him. The peace of God is what keeps our hearts and minds focused on Christ Jesus, our Lord, who is our peace. Peace of God enables us to have constant joy in the Christian life. And so when Paul writes, when James writes in his epistle, and he said, Count it great joy when you meet trials of different kinds. That is the peace of God that we can count trials as joy. And it is the peace of God that causes us not to be anxious when we're infirmed and troubled and afraid. This is what Paul taught the church at Philippi in that well-known passage, Ephesians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known, made known to everyone The Lord is at hand and then he comes and he says to them, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, whatever they are. And that trust, that trust in God's providence gives us his peace. And it's a promise. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is what Paul's wish for Timothy was. This is what every child of God needs, that personal tranquility and well-being and for peace in the church and for peace in our lives and our interpersonal relationships with others. This is what gospel peace must work in us. This is Christ's desire for us this is our sanctification the realizing and growing in the peace of god this is true assurance of faith this is a mark of the true believer so ask yourself this morning do i have the peace of god how beautiful is this triple blessing it's blessing that paul prayed for timothy to experience grace upon grace to equip him for ministry mercy upon mercy to attend to his distresses his loving compassionate and care his help his mercy in time of need and peace upon peace peace of heart peace of mind that tranquility that well-being throughout our life whether it be storms whether it be health whether it be poverty or riches brothers and sisters these are the triple blessings of the gospel grace in the gospel mercy in the gospel and peace in the gospel the source of grace mercy and peace was and is the infinite resources of god and may this be our prayer for one another and may this be god's blessing upon his church amen let's pray together our father in heaven we bow before you in awe at your majesty. How we thank you for the grace of the gospel. How we thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. How we thank you for your unmerited favor to us. How we thank you for the gospel, the grace of the gospel, and the mercy of the gospel, and the peace of the gospel. And how we thank you. That we can continue to receive grace upon grace and mercy upon mercy as you help us in our time of need. And through every storm of life and infirmity and difficulty and trial and temptation and disaster and loss of loved ones. Through all of these things we can have the peace of God in our hearts as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Oh Lord. Give us these things, we pray, in abundant measure, for Christ's sake and for his glory. Amen.